Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so nice to see each one of you here. Uh, it's exciting uh, every Sunday to see who's going to come. We have people that come every single week, and we certainly love to see you there, see you here. We have people that come regularly. We have others that are here for the very first time, and we just want to make sure that everybody feels welcome and feel, hopefully, that you feel like there's a place for you here. If you find uh, a Bible or whatever you use for your Bible, find uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 14. We're going to look into those verses, uh, those first six verses in a, a number of moments. We're going to address the topic of fear, uh, and it's a little bit, it's tied very much to the idea of anxiety, but I'm using the term fear because that's what uh, often is the term that's being used in a lot of our scripture references today. So we're going to look at the idea of fear. You know, we live in a culture of fear. Our culture is inundated, and if you stop for a moment, stop for a time, and see that we are inundated with the idea of fear. If you look in the news, you talk about deadly roads, they talk about politicians that are suspected of illegal activity, you talk about the economy, and it seems like natural disasters, and uh, terrorism, and uh, it seems like there's no end to the things that we can be afraid of when it comes to even watching the news. And they're also, uh, I was just even looking at the, the movie choices that we have, the things that we pay to go see. There's a lot that are fear-based even just now. I looked this week at what we've got. We've got a, uh, one that's uh, all based on the whole idea that the world is gonna end because somebody controls the satellites that control the weather, and so the whole world is gonna end. That's a little bit fear-based of a, of, of a movie, right? There's another one that's out fairly recently and it's in theaters now. There's a deranged killer on the loose and he's back and he's got a whole new group of victims. We got another one where a lady is reliving the day that she's murdered. Every single day it's reliving that, single, that same day. There's another one that's based on a home invasion and it uh, eventually it turns to blackmail and revenge and betrayal and murder. It seems like we even pay money to go be scared. We just live in a culture that is just based on fear. Just like my plan was last night, on Saturday night I was gonna sit down and look at a bunch of commercials, which is very nor uh, abnormal for me because I usually skip over those. Uh, but I, I wanted to see if there's fear in any of these commercials. And so last night I sat down and watched a whole bunch in a row. And a lot of them, if you want to look at them in a, from a fear-based perspective, that's what they are because they make you ask the question, what if? And so last night, this is what I saw, led me to all of these questions, selling based on fear. What if I get in an accident? What if my pots don't cook my meat just optimally? What if my clothes aren't up to the designer moments of my life? What if my cereal isn't great? What if I can't use my points on my credit card? What if I can't produce an accurate digital measurement of my daily physical activity? What if, I, what if my truck can't pull 13,200 pounds? <laughs> what if my car doesn't have the, the latest technology? What if I don't have Canada's best-selling V8? What if my toothbrush doesn't remove the maximum amount of plaque possible? What if I run out of data? Just every single commercial, it seems like you can see that it's almost leading you to a what-if question so that you can go out and address that fear that might happen. 
Our society is really based on fear. Our greatest fear is of what might happen. Fear is the tyrant of the imagination. It can haunt everyone, young, old, rich, poor, weak, powerful. And some fears attack us momentarily and others can stay with us for a lifetime. So I wanna ask you this morning, what are you afraid of? What robs you of sleep? What steals your joy? What destroys your hope? What keeps you from living by faith? What keeps you from giving your life wholly to a loving God who wants nothing but the best for you? Every year there's a university that comes out with a a survey, the Survey of American Fears. And this year it came out and grouped in the very top is the list, and this is what is in the top 10 or so. And they answered the question that they are very afraid or afraid of these things. Government, healthcare, pollution, money for the future, climate change, economic collapse, terrorist attack, identity theft, and credit card fraud. Those are the top ones, are among the top ones. It seems as though, you know what, it's hard to keep track of all the things that we're supposed to be afraid of. It seems as though we're supposed to be afraid. That seems like that's what our, our, uh, our country and our culture seems to be based on. Uh, I noticed that number 25 was, um, sorry, number 24 was government tracking of personal data. And number five was corporate tracking of personal data. There's, it just it seems as though there's uh, no end to the things that we fear. I'm gonna refer back to some of that list in a little while. But you know, I think we can say safely that everybody is afraid of something. The question is one of response. How are we to respond when we have these stimuli of fear? How are we going to respond? Do we find a godly, do we find a biblical response to fear? Think of a a fearful situation. Paul writes a letter to Timothy because Timothy is going to this great big city, Ephesus, and he's going to pastor this large church, one of the larger churches of the the churches have just started, and this is kind of a cornerstone, a flagship uh, church, and he's gone to do that. And Paul writes him a letter, and part of what he writes is in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, and he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so if we have a spirit of fear, we can see that it's not from God. But it says, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when we get God's perspective on the source of our fear, we can set aside what's not from him. And we can embrace what is. You know, most fears are future-based. That's the what if, something that's going to happen. We're afraid of things that are going in the future. David Jeremiah wrote about fear. The one way to walk boldly and confidently into an unknown future is to stake everything on the power and goodness and faithfulness of God. You know, the Bible says about, talks about fear many times, and there's 300 times in the Bible where it says, do not be afraid, do not fear, 300 times. Neil Anderson wrote about fear, and he said that fear is a thief. It erodes our faith, It plunders our hope, it steals our freedom, and it takes away our joy of living the abundant life in Christ. Phobias are like the coils of a snake. The more we give in to them, the tighter they squeeze. Tired of fighting, we succumb to the temptation and surrender to our fears. 
What seemed like an easy way out becomes in reality a prison of unbelief, a fortress of fear that holds us captive. That's the culture that we have. But in John chapter 14, we're going to look at a number of verses. John chapter 14, we need to know a little bit of the background. Jesus has just predicted that he is going to be betrayed. He has told them that he is uh, going to give up his life. They, they don't understand, his disciples that are with him, his followers don't completely understand what he's talking about. But they start, they hear him say that he's leaving and they're concerned about that. They've got fear about that. Eventually, he goes down to verse 27, verse 14. As he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that we can have can come from God himself. Jesus says to his followers who were concerned about the things that he was talking about, that he was going to leave them, that he was going to be betrayed, and that all these things that were going to happen, they were concerned, their hearts were troubled, and Jesus says, I leave you peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I just got an email fairly recently, and it said, attention, client, RBC. So I read further. Your net code security has been suspended, so we are temporarily restricted online access to your account. To activate and regain access to your account, kindly click on the link below and restore access to your account. Failure to update account in the next 48 hours will lead to permanent account suspension. RBC Royal Bank, online banking security team. Oh, that's kind of the kind of thing that we, we read and if you, you're just tempted, so tempted to click on that thing. But our fear, how can we have confidence during this time of fear? How can we decide that we should have confidence and stay calm even when we want to panic? Pastor Donald talked about David a few weeks ago in times where he panicked. He was uh, confronted with fear. He was confronted with a situation sometimes of his own making. And, And as a result, he panicked because of his fear. How do we move beyond that? We need to know that we have a God who calms the storm, a Savior who rebukes the wind and the waves so that they're calm. In Luke chapter 8, he says that. Those who were his followers were with him in a boat and the storm was huge and his disciples went to Jesus and he woke him because Jesus was sleeping during the storm. And they said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. What do we do? in these stressful times? What do we do when the thing that we fear the most is, is happens or the thing that we never thought of? You know, I always say that every time I have a chance to, to preach, God always gives me an illustration just like the day of or the day before. Um, and uh, yesterday morning we woke up and our furnace didn't work. So you start all asking all these questions. What if, you know, what is this going to cost? And so we did a little research and contacted someone and they said we can come tomorrow between 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. And I thought I'm going to be a little busy I'm preaching that day. Uh, so they're coming later. Uh, and I thought, okay, that was fine. He set it aside. We've got a uh, uh, gas fireplace, and so we thought we could still have some heat. Uh, well, we went to bed um, in another bedroom because we have some company. Went to another bedroom at about 12.30 last night. We noticed this great big puddle on the floor. So you, when you see a puddle on the floor, I'll tell you what you do first. You look up, right, because you're looking for the source. And there's a great, there's a, there's a, a, a wet ceiling, and there's drips coming down from the ceiling at 12.30 at night. Uh, So we quickly uh, made a few more phone calls and um, uh, somebody said, we'll send someone out on Monday, maybe. And I said, well, it's kind of an emergency. (laughs) And they said, yeah, Monday's good. 
and so uh, we're going to be waiting for Monday. Uh, and so and the, and the, then you think, okay, you got to lie in bed, trying not to hear a drip. Uh, you're lying in bed thinking all the things that need to happen the next day, uh, and you're very distracted. And you can get, your mind can play some, uh, some great imagination. If you have a great imagination, your mind can really go a long way. Like, is that whole ceiling f- holding like a swimming pool worth of water, just getting ready to crash down? Uh, and then I think, I'm just going to go to sleep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard situation sometimes. But Jesus said to his followers, don't let your heart be troubled. My peace I leave with you. Not, I give it to you not like the world gives it to you, but I give it to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. He said it to his disciples. They needed to hear it, and so do we. Jesus never offered a stress-free life. To those who accepted him, he warned that there would be troubles that would follow our path and that our obedience to him would actually increase our persecution. And Jesus himself is not speaking without experience. He felt pressure. He felt stress. He felt times of difficulty in these situations. Jesus, uh, when Mary came to him, her her brother had just passed away and she was hoping that he was going to come and heal her and he didn't. And her her brother was gone. And she was confronting Jesus. Why weren't you here? Jesus felt that stress, that pressure. When he was contemplating what he was going to do in his, in his sacrifice, contemplating the cross that he was going to, he felt great pressure. When he was waiting for Judas to betray him, he felt great pressure. And yet Hebrews says that he's a high priest that can sympathize with our weaknesses. So let's look at these first few verses of John chapter 14, verse 1. Read them along with me if you like. And it says that Jesus, uh, his disciples were nervous before Jesus left them. And this is what Jesus told them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is telling his followers in times of trouble to follow him, but he's asking, him, he's asking his followers, he's asking us to believe in something. He's not just saying, It'll be okay. But he's asking us to believe in something. He's asking us first to believe in a person. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Place your faith in me. Now, the disciples at this point, they weren't 100% sure. They they thought they knew who Jesus was. But then he started telling them that he was going to go through this death. And they told told him, he was telling them that they were going to... Uh, They were going to witness him and his betrayal, and they weren't sure. They were shaken a little bit, and they were troubled. And they didn't really understand until after Jesus was arrested and beaten, and he was killed. He was hung on a cross, and then he was buried. And three days later, that's when everything changed. They saw him again. He was resurrected, and that proved to those who weren't sure who he was, that proved to them who he was. Incredible situation to go through. And so as Jesus knows all of this is coming, Jesus says you need to believe in a person. 
Jesus said in John chapter 10, I and the Father are one. To believe in what I say, you must believe in, what I, in who I am. That's what he was saying. If you, believe, if you want to believe in who Jesus was, you have to believe what he was saying. So first we need to believe in a person. Next we need to believe in a place. John chapter 14, verse two. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? The Bible uses many synonyms for this place, heaven. Vast, beautiful, a country, a city, a kingdom, paradise, my father's house. There is an ultimate security in the eternal nature of heaven. Heaven is real. We're not there yet, but it gives us hope. It guides our aspirations and it soothes our hearts. We're made for eternity. You and I were made for eternity. Even back in Ecclesiastes, it says that God put eternity in our hearts. There's something about eternity, eternity that we are made for. And so he says that we are supposed to, we need to believe in a person, we need to believe in a place. And in verse three, we need to believe in a promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. How much different would our lives be if we really lived like we believe this promise every day? How much of the fears that we might have had would just fall away? If we had this kind of perspective, this promise, can we live like this? Here is our daily battle. Every single day we're inundated, even in our own minds or without, with our culture, we're inundated with ideas of fear. This daily battle, and Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me, believe in the reality of my home, believe my promise, this is faith. We will have sorrow and setbacks, and, but if we view them only in the larger context of eternity, it will help getting a, a better perspective, a different perspective. And also we need to learn to believe in this plan. Now in verse five and six, Thomas says to the Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus says, I'm going somewhere that you can't come. And uh, Thomas says, we, we wanna go. And Jesus says, you can't come. He said, well, well you can come, but you don't know the way. And, Jesus, and Thomas said, well, how can we know the way? We, we wanna know the way, we wanna stay with you. We like things the way they are. We don't want the change that you're talking about. It fills us with fear, it troubles our hearts. And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This would have confused them a little bit because Thomas was asking, where are we going? He was expecting an answer like Rome, right? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Thomas was thinking, you're answering a question I don't think I'm really asking. I don't really understand what you're saying. Thomas wanted to know how to get where Jesus was going. He wanted a map. And Jesus was saying, I don't have a map, I am the map. He was saying, I am the way. Jesus doesn't give directions, he says, follow me. Sometimes when you stop and you ask for directions, when you're willing to admit that you don't know where you are, you ask for directions, and then you listen carefully to the directions. And if the, direction, the person giving you the directions is not clear, 
or is not confident, you have a tendency, at least I have a tendency to think, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm not going where he tells me to go, right? You don't, might, you might not listen to these, if the person telling you is not confident, if they don't seem like they know where to go, why would you follow them? But Jesus says, if you want to go where I'm going, you have to follow me. Regardless of the fear, regardless of the trouble that might be there in your heart, the, this idea of becoming the way. If you go to uh, many stores and you go to someone and you say, say you go to a, a grocery store and, and you say, uh, I'm sorry, can you tell me where the, the vegetable oil is? Very seldom anymore do people say, it's over in aisle three. They'll say, it's over in aisle three, come, I'll take you. How many times have you seen, and I'm thinking, I always think, you know, you've got work to do, just tell me where I can find aisle three, I'll find, but they all, all seem to be trained to take you where you need to go. And you follow them blindly, like this person knows where the vegetable oil is, I'm just gonna go down there, I'm gonna down whatever oil they go down, I'm going down, because they seem to know, I'm just gonna follow them. They become the way, they become the map. They take you where you want to go. Sometimes you might think that person doesn't know where the vegetable oil is. I'm going to go down there where uh, aisle 17 where the, the motor oil is. Maybe they keep all the oils together, right? I'm, you know, vegetable oil, motor oil. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to find it there. You can decide not to follow the person, but they are the way. They know where they're going, and you can decide whether you follow them or not. The employees become the way. Jesus says that he is the way. We have to understand that Jesus has told us in many places that he really is the way. In Matthew 7, it says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. In Acts chapter 4, Charles says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. First Timothy says, there's one God and one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus. Others will say there's a different way. You and I might think there's a different way, but Jesus says, if you want to, you have to follow me. You have to accept that I, you have to believe who I am. You have to believe in my name. You have to believe in a place. You have to believe in my plan. If we do that and if we follow him, our fear can be taken away our troubled heart that keeps us up at night can be reduced. We need to know that we can rely on a loving God, that he is the way. That's the solution for our fear. It's a different perspective. Not looking at what causes our fear, but looking at following Jesus regardless of what happens. He wants us to believe in him. That means to place our faith in him to trust him completely, to trust him fully. You will only follow someone if you, if you fully believe in them. And Jesus said, follow me. That's what he said to his disciples. So when there's times of fear, think of these verses. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I would have told you if I weren't, go wouldn't I have told you if I wasn't going to prepare a place for you? and I will come back and take you to be where I am. If we believe in God, if we trust Jesus, if we follow him, our fears can be controlled, our fears can be diminished, our fears can be managed. Regardless of the culture, regardless of our imagination, 
we can follow God and follow his son Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for all that you have done for us, that you have become the way, that you are the one that we should follow. I pray for each one who is here this morning. Some have been following you for many years. I pray that their faith will grow, that they will continue to believe and follow you. There are others who are, have only been following for a short time, Lord, I pray that their faith will grow. There are others that are even just wondering about all of what this means. I pray that you will make it clear to them that you will give us confidence in who you are, that we can follow you all the days of our life. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.